Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gek with the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 50. And for the 50th episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon, we are doing a Q&A special and I am joined by my girlfriend, Megan. Hi. I won't be able to contribute that much to this, but I'm here <laughs> and I'm living. Yeah, basically um, decided to have Megan involved because there's a few questions that I would be interested to hear Megan's input on. Uh, and also it's good to have someone to read the questions to me. So I'm not just kind of standing or sat here by myself like I normally am because most episodes of Styles Comics and Canon is I lock myself in our office with comic books and just chat nonsense for a long time and i knit and, and you knit is normally what happens <laughs> while doing that. we're a very cool couple <laughs> well, yeah indeed um i also generally i forgot to mention before recording uh i generally don't swear in these episodes i know That's in genuine chit chat and afterthoughts we swear a lot um but in this i generally don't if you do it's not a big deal but i generally try to avoid it so any young listeners can hear the answer to questions without profanities that's fine no profanities will be heard on the making of this podcast so yeah we got about 12 or so questions i think from a variety of different people uh we're going to kind of flip between people who ask them and the questions up and down and stuff um there's a couple of dad jokes that got sent in that i'm going to have to read out which is going to be quite fun um but we're going to do them in two recordings so they should all be released in one go on the feed but we're probably going to record these first or six now and then later on today or something we'll record another six because just sat still doing 12 questions is quite a lot on on my easter holidays on your easter holidays and while i'm off as well so and we've got other stuff to do today as well so probably if the if the audio changes a little bit halfway through this that's kind of why because yeah because we're lazy and can't be asked to record everything at once so that basically leads us on to the questions so megan did you want to get us going well we have a question from Matthew B. Lloyd, and his question is, why did they turn the old comics slash novels into legends? So this question comes from Matthew B. Lloyd, who does classic comics on this very feed of Comics in Motion, I think is every other Monday. And he's a chap who's going to be coming on my show in a couple of weeks, actually, to talk about classic old school Star Wars comics. I think specifically talking about some of the newspaper strips, which I didn't even realize Star Wars was, had newspaper strips for like years and years. So you'd open the newspaper and there'd be like a few panels. Oh, what, like in an actual newspaper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a whole book, you, there's whole two books you can buy. What kind of newspaper? It's an American one. Oh. I can't remember which... Oh, the, this the, the, the Telegraph. <laughs> no. But this was in the 70s. So you know we had like... You had Garfield. You oh, had, right. And okay. all those things. Okay. You'd have a few Star Wars comics. Hmm, that's interesting. It is cool. Apparently the stories are fairly good according to Matt. He says some of them are a bit weak, but they, they there are some really cool ones in there. And I'm pretty certain they were around the time where they did the big multimedia launch. Well, after Star Wars came out and they had the holiday special as well, they obviously had the Star Wars comics that continued on, which are like all kinds of things. So... To answer your question... Matt. <laughs> so really, it, it happened in 2014. Disney bought out Lucasfilm uh, in 2014 and they decided to re-canonize things. So it's basically just 
canon means continuity in, in a sense. So it's basically the what did in air quotes happen. So very simply, Disney took over um, and they wanted to do certain things. The big one was the sequel trilogy. They wanted to do, obviously, the three films that are now out. But there are three books that served as generally the considered the sequel trilogy, which is where Thrawn was introduced. Um, I'm pretty certain those books were sort of late... They're in the 80s and 90s, I'm pretty certain. And basically... The problem is with Legends is what happened was George Lucas let almost anyone play in his sandbox. So they basically did a thing where they had... I've shown you some of the older stuff because we've been watching the Clone Wars 2D series. Um, there's also like the Ewok films. Um, Can't wait to watch those bangers. Infamous uh, Ewok like, films. Oh, I love the Ewoks. Well, I mean, you, we watched the trailer for the Ewok film. I mean, what did you think of the trailer for that? I mean, it doesn't look great. Like, <laughs> the child looks... And I, I don't mean any disrespect to this. So this, this kid, if you're watching in the future... <laughs> I doubt, well, I mean, they're maybe. Probably, they're probably, what, like 50 or something now? The kid is kind of scary looking. Like <laughs> the, the little girl or the guy? I think it's the little girl with the really curly yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if that's just because, like, Ewoks are cute, but they're also kind of scary looking, so... I think in the films they become really brutal, if I remember. I think it's some... Well, I mean, they're pretty savage in the in the original three right, films. I think well, I say three films. They're not in the three films. They're just in... What is it? Episode five. And they eat people, don't they? They were going to kill in... Well, yeah, they were going to kill... In Return of the Jedi, they are going to kill Han and uh, Luke and cook them up for... Delicious. Yeah, so basically, Legends, the reason it mainly happened was because Disney wanted to redo stuff and not have it being massive contradictions to what had already existed. But the problem is with Legends, what a lot of people don't mention when they complain about the new Disney canon and all that sort of stuff. They complain about how there's so many other cool things in Legends that are amazing, but they don't mention how inconsistent it is. There's like a story where Chewie dies, and then there's another story where he's alive. And it's like, <laughs> you can't... And it, the comics that were released in the 70s, there's a Marvel comic run straight after A New Hope came out. That was meant... That was kind of like a in-between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But it was so old. That was before Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi even came out. So mm-hmm. the problem is, is, back in those days, I was looking up some stuff about this question and there's actually, they had layers of the canon in, it used to be called the Expanded Universe, not Legends. And it was basically anything that wasn't the films was expanded uh, in the Expanded Universe. And it was just, there were loads of contradictions and they just wanted to clean it up and be able to have a clean slate. So rather than having like, the comics were like D-canon at the part, point, which is like, you can take it, if anything is contradicted, then by B canon, C canon, or A canon. So it's like core. So the films are like A canon, then B... Then God, that is so confusing. This is what I mean. This is why they had to redo it. So they just went, right, you know, screw all that. And we're just going to do everything is in Legends. Which basically, I look at it as Legends stuff is it hasn't been proven to not happen yet. So I don't look at it in a sense of, oh, no, there's no such thing. Like this thing that happened in Legends didn't happen. I look at it and I'm like, well, if something contradicts it in the canon, it didn't happen. This is the thing. It's just that, like, I understand all of the people that are, like, frustrated, upset, annoyed, etc. Like, by the fact that Disney took over and and then, well, they changed it, didn't they? So yeah. they, they changed all of the things that are already out there and said, no, this isn't part of the actual universe. Like, it is, but it's not, like, legit. And, like, I get that that's frustrating, but it needs to happen because like one consistent thing throughout the entirety of Star Wars is that there are plot flaws and there are errors. So it makes sense for you to kind of just say from this point here, now everything is going to be part of this franchise because otherwise, as you said, there's so many like inconsistencies that don't really fully make sense. And at least this way, they are trying to make it a solid universe as opposed to having like little like naffy bits here and there. Hmm. 
Yeah, because the thing is as well is they use a lot of stuff from Legends in canon now. Like the Mandalorian gets praised a lot because they use certain elements like the Dark Troopers, the Crate Dragon, things like that. They're in Legends. So. Yeah, and we were watching the 2D series, which is classed as... Legends. Legends. And yeah. there's loads of bits in that that are now part of, well, the the 3D animated clone yeah. series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's So it's stuff. not like they've completely abolished it and been like, nothing existed, none of this is real, none of these characters exist. At least they've taken like aspects from it and mm-hmm. have contributed to what is now canon. If there are questions that don't uh, that don't have answers to it in canon, so for example, I think one of them is uh, Anakin Skywalker's Scar. That was, I'm pretty certain, in the micro-series caused by Sarge Ventress. It was something like that. That's how he got the scar. But in the in canon, they haven't mentioned that. But that doesn't yeah. mean he didn't get the scar from Asajj. It means in Legends he did. So there's almost like the legend, the rumours are that he did. But you may hear new information that comes out that is more confirmed. Yeah. That's how I kind of look at and it And didn't now. you say that in Legends, Asajj Ventress didn't even have a name? I'm pretty certain she doesn't. Um, we watched When we watched it recently, I think they called... I don't think she had like a full name. As from what I remember, but like, she- there's a character that is in canon. Yeah, exactly. and it's not meant. She's not in any of the films, is she? No, she's not in any of the films. Is she mentioned in the films? No, no. So there you go. There's an example. Yeah. So that's basically, it. and we'll get more into. There's another other questions about legends and canon coming up soon. So I think we'll get on to the uh, the next question here, which is from our favorite guy in the world, Tony Farina of Indie Comic Spotlight. So Tony Farina asks, "Do you think that Lucasfilm made a mistake selling to Disney?" No. <laughs> you don't think that I don't think they do I think it gives Star Wars a like a better ability and a better like scope for mm. being able to put stuff out there That's I just the I don't think they would have had as many op- like for example like we've had The Mandalorian which is obviously when when did Disney buy it? 2014 so Rebels was on TV after series 1 or 2 I think yeah so I like so we've got Mandalorian we've got the Obi-Wan series coming out Ahsoka series there's the one with Warwick Davis in it Willow's not cat, not going to be Star Wars. Oh, okay. Disney Plus. So ignore me for that one. But um, what other Star Wars ones well, are there? Series Seven of Clone Wars came out through Disney. The Bad Batch is going to be through Disney, Bad Batch, and then the obviously all the other series. You've but yeah, so like all of those things, I don't think would have been maybe possible. Like some of it would, because obviously Lucasfilm is such a big um, thing. Yeah, they make their own films. They make all the Indiana Jones films. Yeah, so it is a pretty big uh, company. Yeah. Um, whereas Disney's. Bigger. <laughs> yeah, Disney is absolutely cool, so, so I just think you like for people who like Star Wars and for people who want more Star Wars content, I think it was a better decision because it means that there's more money, there's more money there. so they can they can make more stuff. Yeah, and I agree as well. And the thing is, is that when the way the expanded universe was working was that apart from the odd thing, it was mainly in game games, books, and comics was where the expanded universe really came into play. That's what the big thing is. And the thing is with Lucasfilm selling to Disney as you say they've got the opportunities like if it was on a Lucasfilm we'd be lucky if we'd have got a sequel trilogy but even if we did we wouldn't have got sequel trilogy Mandalorian Bad Batch Visions that's coming out the Ahsoka series Acolyte Kenobi Acolyte that's the other word yeah Kenobi Rangers of the New Republic you know all of those things and then there's that new Rogue Squadron Squadron that's a film coming out have you said that no I haven't a good point I missed that one out also we got you know Solo, Rogue One, and the sequel trilogy. And even though the sequel trilogy were flawed, I still yeah, enjoyed them. <laughs> but it, it, I think it was a good idea because, I, as Megan says, it gives them more scope. It gives them more of an ability to release more content. You know, Star Wars is an idea and it's a franchise and it means that loads of ind- independent creators can go in there and create stuff in the world. Like Takai Watiti, he's making the film of Kathleen Kennedy. And I love um, him. He's the best. Obviously, Thor Ragnarok is a, a film that you always mention you love. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's like... Without it being owned by Disney, I don't know if we'd have that. And also, Disney Plus is really good, but without all the new Star Wars content on there, I wouldn't be 
subscribe to Disney Plus. If it, now if it's it got was, the other Marvel now it, stuff. Yeah, I mean, now it's got more on there. But like, if it was just like Disney films and like the Star Wars movie, well, I mean, if we're arguing that the Star Wars movies weren't by, by uh, weren't bought by Disney, then they wouldn't be on there. I don't. I don't realistically think that Disney would been able to do Disney Plus if they didn't have all of the Star Wars movies and the fact yeah. that they now have Marvel as well. It's just. This is what I mean. Like Disney's massive. It's basically trying to monopolize the market. <laughs> so they are, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was a good idea. I think so it was I'm good sorry idea. for the haters. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's a good idea for. But then I'm not also idea. like. I mean, you don't know anything about legends. I don't know anything about legends. Really. No, I don't know that much. That's the, that's the thing here is that I most. I feel like most of the people that are kind of upset by the fact that Disney bought it are people that are older than us. Yes, they're they're people that like were. Uh, that watched Star Wars, for example, when it first came out in the cinema. Yeah, or they were young, they were sort of age around the prequel era. Yeah, and I know I've said this on your podcast so many times, so I'm sorry if you're someone who's listening and you're hearing me say this again, and I'm sorry to Mike because he's heard me say it a thousand times, but less so now, but when I used to think about Star Wars, I thought about The, the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. because that's that's what I grew up with. Yeah. We're so, we're so, like, if you're someone that associates Star Wars with the original trilogy, mm-hmm. then I think your mindset will probably be a bit, a, di- a bit different. Yeah, because at those times you had the books that came out and the comics that all kind of intertwine like it does now, but you had it for 30 years. And it also depends years. on how much of a Star Wars fan you are. Yeah, and how far you're into it. But most people who've just seen the films don't really care. Most of our friends don't really care. Like, they just, like, They've asked me, they go, oh, is the new game canon? I was like, yeah, basically everything released now is canon. Because Fallen Order says. is canon, wasn't it? Yeah. Fallen Order is canon, Battlefront 2 is canon, uh, Squadrons is canon. They've got another game coming out this year, 1313, which is a bounty hunter game that people thought was cancelled before. But actually, it's um, it was cancelled and then they basically re, uh, they've redone it and it's all bounty hunter-esque. So I imagine it will have a certain elements of the Mandalorian and things in it. But yeah, it, it was a good idea. They had way more opportunities and stuff. So I think that's, we would say it's a good thing. It wouldn't without Disney behind it we wouldn't get so much cool stuff yeah and Legends still exists there's the big thing they still re-release Legends stuff like literally right yeah now. it's not like they've abolished it off the face of the earth and said no one's going to access any of this stuff anymore like they're still there they've even put it on Disney Plus it's called Star Wars Vintage they've called it yeah that's basically so, Legends yeah I think it's a good idea they're still using it so there yeah. we go everyone <laughs> the next question okay so question three is from Dave Hor- Horrocks mm-hmm. um he is the podfather of the Comics Motion Network. The with podfather. Chris, with Chris Phelps. He's the one who did this. Who started this whole thing off and invited me to do the Star Wars show. So thank you, Dave. I apologize for saying your name incorrectly. I'm reading Mike's handwriting. Yeah, so. my handwriting is pretty <laughs> terrible. So what was this question? So um, what are your thoughts on Jar Jar Binks being a Sith Lord? Well, this, this actually comes from... Whenever this comes up, it always makes me laugh. It's a weird conspiracy in Star Wars, which I am in, I kind of feel the same way about it that I do feel about <laughs> Kennedy, the, the Kennedy assassination. I don't think it's like an inside job, but I think there's a lot of some weird stuff around it we don't fully know. And that's how I feel about the Jar Jar Binks. I think not everything is as what they seem. So, yeah. Because like with <laughs> the original idea, they say that where this all came from was that in after the backlash of Phantom Menace and the amount of backlash was targeted at Jar Jar, they basically said, okay... Uh, they re- the, the script got rewritten and Ahmed Best, who's the guy who plays Jar Jar, who now also does the Jedi Temple Challenge, that kid's sort of uh, mm. game thing. And he's been, he's starting to do little bits and pieces here, voicing characters and certain audio things and whatnot. He, he played Jar Jar and he says that a lot of his lines were cut and the whole where the character was going changed, but he's not allowed to talk about it. And having the fact that all of his lines got cut 
shortly after would insinuate either they were going to have Jar Jar and it still being silly or a lot of people thought they were going down the route of when Yoda was really stupid and weird in episode 5 when you first saw him and that was kind of testing Luke they would say that the other way around kind of like he's pretending to be this fool even though everything he does actually seemingly he survives and he manages to always get out of situations by seeming like an idiot when in reality he actually manages to get out of these situations because he specifically wanted to it's because he's Darth Binkus well, that's the idea. So what what do you think? Do you think that's possible? Or? I think it's plausible. I mean, like, if you think about Palpatine, like, he's, what, senator, then chancellor, and then yeah. emperor, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of people think that he's nice. Obviously, to be honest, like, you're looking at him and you're like, nah, you're obviously evil. Yeah. Like, even when you watch it, if you if you don't, if you've literally never watched Star Wars before, you know that he's the baddie. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So... I I think, but my point is, is that in the films, people are obviously oblivious to this until yeah. like episode three, which is crazy. But um, I think it could work. I think that because obviously he gives ultimate power to the Chancellor yeah. in episode two. Yes. When obviously that was like the worst decision that he could have possibly made. Yeah. And it's just based on the fact that he's stupid. Yeah. It's, and also like... If you see him in episode one, he's just a bumbling buffoon. And then suddenly he's like a general because mm. he did one good thing. But even that good thing was done out of clumsiness. Yeah. That's and then he's leading people, people into battle. And then suddenly he's speaking in front of the entire Senate on behalf of Padme, no? Yeah. So it's just like, does really? He, does he have that influence? Like, is, is, it, is it just sheer fluky luck that he gets there? Or is it because there is something more sinister going on? So... I think it it could be a thing. Release the Jar Jar Binkus cut. Yeah, really, release, release the, the Jar Binkus. Jar Binkus cut. <laughs> I, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I think the problem is they went too hard on it. They to... went too hard on the stupidity in the first film, like him yeah. standing in poo and making like they kind of poo jokes. <laughs> if they had just one scene where he, what happened was he spoke to someone and he killed them off screen or something, and he spoke really normally. Like, if there was just one scene where he off-screen, uh, off-screen, you see him kind of go off and no one else around him and he speaks to maybe even, like, Palpatine over the thing and he goes, his posture changes and he goes, like, straightens up and he stops talking so weird. Yeah, like little mannerisms. Yeah, and he just stopped, stopped going, Misa, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, and he was like, yes, master, Misa going to assist you in this. Like, proper, complete change. Yeah. I think they might have been able to get away with it. Like, if he speaks like the leader of the Gungans. Yeah. Because he doesn't speak, like, he speaks differently, but not, like, in a stupid way like Jar Jar does. Exactly. Like, anything like that, I think it could have worked. But I think that if they released Phantom Menace the way it got released, and then tried to do an Attack of the Clones, I don't know how well that would land. I think it would have been the case that we wouldn't have seen it, uh... A character arc that showed that progressive like the progression into that position i think yeah. because there is no real character arc to jar jar like mm-hmm. it's just him being stupid and then suddenly in the next film he's like serious and he's part of the senate yeah. and it's just like i don't think it would have worked because you hadn't seen that progression into it mm. i'd be intrigued if they released like a co- like a four-part comic series or or something like a you know they've got that marvel They've got the What If series coming out, mm. which is all it's all going to be about the MCU. Um, if they veered into Star Wars and did that and did like a little, just even if it's like a half an hour of like animation thing of what would happen if Jar Jar was actually a Sith Lord and he, he was, <laughs> and he worked in the way that people originally the thought. The thing like, is, is that it'd be isn't interesting there, to see it. Isn't there a rule of two though with the Sith? There can only be two at a time. Well, this is where it, what would happen was people believe that Count Dooku wouldn't have been a thing. 
Yeah, well, that is the thing, isn't it? Because it then, in theory, Jar Jar would have been the apprentice. Jar Jar would have been the apprentice. Could you imagine Jar Jar fighting them at the end of Attack of the Clones, <laughs> and then fighting Yoda, and him being like, "You, um, you've been trained." Like they wouldn't have that sort of relationship of Dooku being the master of Qui Gon, who trained Obi Wan, and being the apprentice of being the Padawan of Yoda. Like, yeah. You wouldn't have that dynamic with them. Uh, if you had had Jar Jar in it. Although I, although I was saying that, like, I mean, Dooku's training Asajj Ventress as his apprentice. As a Sith assassin. So that's the, that's the kind of caveat. But it's still Sithy. Yeah. The so I- there are loopholes to it. Yes, there are. So in theory, mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks could be like Asajj Ventress. Yeah, but he wouldn't be able to be called Darth because Darth is a strictly Sith title. Yeah. So Dooku is Darth Tyrannus. You've got Darth Maul and Darth, pa- and, uh, Darth Sidious. Sidious is trained by Plagueis. Then Plagueis gets killed by Sidious. Sidious then trains up Maul. So when, when Maul Darth... dies, and then he takes on Tyrannus. Yeah, but thought... he doesn't actually die. Yeah. But when when we find when we see Maul for the first time in Clone the Wars. Clone Wars series, yeah. is he still called Darth Maul? Is he just the... calls himself Maul. He just calls himself Maul. Okay. Yeah, especially by uh, Rebels, he literally just doesn't even go by the Darth title. In fact, I think Ahsoka or there's a, calls there's, him Darth Maul. There's a... I'm not Darth anymore. Yeah, he says that's a really old name or something. Yeah, it's a title um, of the Sith. It's, it's like Jedi. Okay, it's like that's Master fine. Kenobi, so, Darth yeah, Maul. I guess he wouldn't be able to be Darth Binkus, which is what people say his Sith name would be. So I guess based on the fact that we have Dooku, it, he can't be, mm. but maybe he can be like an Asajj Ventress type thing they'd either do that or they'd write out Dooku that would be the simple yeah but then it wouldn't be canon no, but I'm, well, if we're talking about like <laughs> if they had to release a cut that would, would work that oh, would be right, a whole different uh, this question is more well, this question was just like what are your thoughts I, mean, I was thinking more so like if they actually did Star Wars with Jar Jar being the Sith Lord instead of Dooku the whole time would that work I think it probably would have worked better than people maybe think it would if it was yeah. done the right way but the problem is is that the biggest flaw in Attack of the Clones is the dialogue and the direction of the character emotion and if Jar Jar had like bad cheesy dialogue it would just be one of those things where I, I wouldn't want it would then ruin it even further. Like, Phantom Menace's biggest fault is Jar Jar, and then Attack of the Clones' biggest fault is the Ad- pa- pa- Padme and Anakin dialogue. <laughs> but if, imagine if you had Attack of the Clones with the Padme and Anakin dialogue, but also with uh, loads of Jar Jar stuff. It, it would just wouldn't work properly. Yeah, I, I do agree. So, I don't know. I think it could have been a thing. I think I'm it could be a thing as like an extra little special thing, but I don't think it's something that could have happened because Jar Jar's a moron. And like with this question, my mum... I don't know if she was joking, but she asked me, oh, here's a question from Mike's podcast, is why does everyone hate Jar Jar? (laughs) My question, not question, my answer is just watch the first film Hmm. and then you'll see why everyone hates Jar Jar. Yeah, he gets worse as you get older. That's the thing. Kids do still like him. Yeah, I remember liking him when I was a kid. Yeah, it's one of those Um, things. Now, every time I watch The Phantom Menace, I despise every scene with him in more and more. He gets worse, the rest of the film gets better. Yeah. Each rewatch. Right, so question four is like a double one. So... Uh, Tony Farina asks, would you like to see Star Wars crossover into Marvel? And it kind of links with another question, which is from Frank Burton and his podcast is Ragbag Presents. He asked about Star Wars crossovers, whether they would be a possible thing, for example, with Doctor Doctor Who, because he can cross into any time or space. Yes. So I'm combining those two questions because they're similar. Yeah. Yeah. So both Tony and Frank asked about crossovers and one said Doctor Who and one said Marvel. I think so it would be cool. I, I think it could really work. I think Doctor Who would be an absolutely insanely well done thing if you could make it work. I think Marvel would feel too much like corporate 
gimmicks forcing something that doesn't work necessarily. Even though I would love to see that. I think that doing it with Marvel, although it's probably more likely maybe in like decades to come, I feel like Doctor Who would be like an event that people... It'd be undeniable. Like the amount of people who just generally like Star Wars and the amount of people who just generally like Doctor Who is like the across the world. Yeah. They're like both such international things. I think it would be cool if they did like a special. Yeah. So like Even a one canon. hour special episode. Kind of like, you know, in Doctor Who where they have the like the Christmas mm-hmm. special or like yeah. I think it would be quite cool if they did a special where there was a crossover into Doctor Who or a crossover into Marvel. And you don't have to, yeah, as you said, call it canon, it's just an extra little or- do what they did in Clone Wars and the Mortis arc. Um, you know, when they went there and they did the whole thing, they basically forgot about it straight after. They kind of woke up in the ship after going to Mortis and seeing all the Force gods and all the prophecy stuff. Oh, yeah. Is that the bit with the owl? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, go, they go there and they meet the sister, the brother and the father. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. The Force entities and things. And like, yeah. afterwards that, that still has an impact on certain aspects, especially with Ahsoka. But like, the thing with that, they could, don't really remember it. Yeah, it could work. But then it kind of also just feels like to me, it's like... And then I woke up from a dream. Well, that's the problem. That, that's the thing with the canon stuff. You'd probably have to put it into almost Star Wars vintage on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Or, it would, or, or if they, they were just... to do it, it would have to be a completely Legends thing. It would be not canon whatsoever. Well, first of all, do you think, before we say what would be cool, do you think it would actually be possible? Do you think in, in our lifetime we're going to see Marvel do a crossover? Keeping in mind that there's like Lego holiday special. So I think the next step is probably going to be Lego holiday stuff with both Marvel and also Star Wars. Yeah, because I mean in Lego, well, in Lego, well, there's always crossovers, isn't there? When it's the normal Lego ones. In the Lego uh, Star Wars games, you can play as the character uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, That sort of thing. I think it's something that could happen. Mm. I think it would be cool. I would enjoy it. Mm. Um, Lego would be fun and quite easy to do, but I think realistically... It would definitely be, it would be a cartoon. It's gonna For be sure. Yeah. It's gonna be like fifty years or something stupid. It's gonna be some sort of massive, ridiculous anniversary that's gonna somehow fall on both both of them having like a major anniversary. Like one of them is like its hundred and thirtieth and the other one is like it's I just feel like Doctor Who is not as big anymore. It has dwindled. It's dwindled a bit. So I think with Doctor Who, like if they were to do it, it would be a case of it having to pick up a little bit again. Mm. Um, well, this would be the thing that make it pick up. Oh, yeah, true. Because yeah. obviously Marvel and Star Wars are always kind of like riding on a high. Like, I mean, this year there's things coming out, like two or three series for each respective franchise. Yeah. The thing- so if they did a crossover, it would make sense. I just think with Doctor Who, for example, though, it would be sick. It would be so cool. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think I see that one happening as much. I could. I tell you, what I would love. I would love a David Tennant Doctor Who. This is what interacting I'm interacting with Qui Gon and Obi Wan yeah. before Phantom Menace and going on an adventure with them and either Billy Piper or Freema. See, this is the thing: is that with Doctor Who, I think of Doctor Who and I think of David Tennant. And obviously, David Tennant's not ever going to be the Doctor again. Well, I know he's in Star Wars, but he's the voice of the robot who helps the panel, <laughs> the younglings build their lightsabers. Which there's rumours that he's going to be in one of the live action series. So but, it's but, I don't know. This is the thing: is with with Doctor Who for me specifically. It, it's not as good as it once was because David Tennant played that role so well. Yeah, because the two parts of Doctor, isn't it? There's the old school Doctor and the new, not quite a reboot, but like the continuation from 2005. Chris Eccleston, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and now it's Jodie. It's not Foster. I literally don't even know. I stopped watching during the season of Matt Smith. Mm, I didn't. I stopped at Matt Smith. I so just around that point. Yeah, I think it. I think it would be a good idea, but I don't. I don't see it happening. 
But I, I see more, yeah, I think, as you said, with Lego. If they did it with Lego, I think that would be quite cool. I think that would be the next step. And then I think they might do, as you say, like some sort of crazy special that's just like a non-canon, you know, say at the start, this is not canon events. It's just something for fun. And you have like the Doctor and interacting with the Force. And maybe he's like a... <laughs> Maybe he even become, learns to use the Force in some way and he's like a Jedi and you get like a Doctor who's the Jedi and his screwdriver turns to a lightsaber. Like, that would be amazingly sick. But aside from that, I'm not sure how long it's going to be until we see Star Wars interact with other universes. The thing is, is it's just such a insular thing. It's so massive, it doesn't need to go into other universes because if you want a character like Iron Man, you just create the equivalent of an Iron Man. That's the thing. Is in the, Star Wars, yeah, it's I so guess, versatile. Yeah, I guess Star Wars is such has such big lore that... And every planet is completely different. You can just create a planet in the middle of nowhere and just have it as, with a race of people who are exactly how the story wants it to be. That's the yeah. thing with Star Wars. It's not like, like I can't, I can't imagine seeing like people from Star Wars on Earth, for oh. example, if I were to watch it. I can't imagine that. But yeah, I don't know. Earth is in Legends. I can't remember how much. Oh, really? Is in. I think it's either vaguely mentioned or it's one sort of story. I, I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't appear much. I may be wrong there, but I recall looking it up and I don't think it's in many things. Okay. Well, that was a long rambly answer and I'm sorry. So this is another question from Matthew B. Lloyd. Who keeps up with the continuity at Lucasfilm? So Lucasfilm has a story group. Um, specifically it's a whole department of Lucasfilm that are specifically their job is to talk to the creators of XYZ and say to them you can do this this and this but you can't do this and this Claudia Gray when I spoke to her on with the interview I had with her she said when she wrote the Lost Stars book the ending she wanted a Star Destroyer to explode and she couldn't they said oh instead of that could you have it crash on a planet called Jakku can you just have the space battle that you're planning on having outside Jakku just for one reason or another and have that ship crash on there? She's like, yeah, sure. And then they didn't tell her much more than that. And then she watched Force Awakens opening night at the cinema or whatever. And the ship was on. Obviously, it's what Ray goes past in like one of the first scenes. And she was like, that's the Star Destroyer I crashed. Like, how cool is that? Um, but the real question is, Mike, why does everyone want to go back to Jackie? Why does everyone want to go back to Jackie? <laughs> um, there's a guy called Pablo Hidalgo, um, and he is like the top guy at Story Group, and he's the one who writes the majority of the visual dictionaries that you can buy. Okay. I've, I've got, you know, there's a few we've bought, I've bought. Yeah, Mike um, went on a massive visual dictionary spurging spree in the works. It was spurging spree, yeah. It was, we went to the shop and it was basically... Eat, there were a lot there for like discounted £3, prices. three pound and a fiver, yeah. so it cost me like 11 quid for three of them, and they're normally between 15 and 25 quid each. So it was just like £11 for all, for Solo, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. So I, I read the Solo one while we were... Watching Solo. Yeah, and to point out some of the cool things that I missed and obviously the first time. But um, he, Pablo Hidalgo, he's the one who writes all the visual dictionaries and they're the things that are like the loose connective tissue that just kind of vague backstories of characters and whatnot, giving things names and etc. And so he basically just communicates with certain parts. Like the problem is with Rise of Skywalker is, and Force, uh, Force Awakens in some way, was the, the rumours were that J.J. Abrams didn't talk to the story group very much. So right. when stuff was coming out, Force Awakens wasn't as much of a big deal because he could kind of do what he wanted. But then when Rise of Skywalker came out, he said he put certain things in there that didn't jive with the canon. They've had to release content to kind of force it in. Like, for example, Poe Dameron being a spice runner on that planet. Like halfway through, he talks to that girl with a helmet on, oh, yeah. Zori, I think her name is. And 
it's like, oh, you ran off after being a spice runner to join the resistance. And there's like a whole comic series and a whole thing all about how he didn't quite, he didn't do that. There's no mention of me as spice runner. He basically just joined the Republican Navy and then got into the resistance from that way. And so what they had to then do is release a book after Rise of Skywalker came out saying, explaining the really in-depth timeline of how and why he God, basically so was a spice runner before joining it. It's called Free Fall or something, I think. And it's basically about his time there and how it fits in. And it's just like, because he, because J.J. Abrams didn't talk to the story group enough and could have just one added one throwaway line just to say, I didn't go straight into the resistance after the spice running. I actually joined the Imperial, I joined the Republican Navy and then went into the resistance after that. Or even just like, that oh yeah, it was a bad couple of years before I joined the Navy. Yeah. So easy. <laughs> You'd have to have one line just from consulting the story group. And that's what the story group meant to do. When they make these big monumental things that are the movies you have to consult with them in a certain way and mandalorian did that absolutely loads which is why you've got characters like Cobb vanth who is the guy who has boba fett's armor at the star series 2 he is in the aftermath books mm. he he gets the he tells you how you get the armor and it's more or less the same thing as what they say in like it's a few small details tweaked but it's generally speaking it's the same as what is in the book so it's because they they read the content, they know it about it, and the, the patches in their knowledge they didn't know, they want to get right, so they talk to the story group. Yeah. And so it's just a, a, a basically a company in all the comics and books, and or less of the books, sorry, in all the comics, you open the page, it's got all the credits, and there's always someone to do the story group attached to it, just to make sure the comics don't completely Go dis- rogue. disregard another comic that's going on at the same time that's on a parallel story and stuff. Okay, so going on to question six. So the final one in this This is part. the final one of this part. Uh, this is from Chris Brayton. Brayton, sorry. Chris Brayton of the I Like to Like Things podcast, which I'm going to be appearing on in a few uh, months' time when it gets released, I think. He's going to come on Genuine Chit Chat at some point, and we're going to chat about stuff. He's, he's a big Styles fan, so what's his question? Well... His question is, what meal or beverage that's been on the screen in the Star Wars universe would you like to try the most? And he personally wants to sp- wants to try Spotchka. Mm. What's Spotchka? Right, so I had to look this stuff up to remind <laughs> myself. So Spotchka is, it's a luminescent blue drink and it's made from uh, krill. Like right, the okay. stuff that whales eat, the tiny like microscopic plankton almost. Um, krill, brewed, and it's seen in the Mandalorian uh, show. Ah, okay. So that's where you first see it. So I looked up a few things because I had a vague recollection of certain I just want to try the foods. blue milk. The blue milk is on here. Yep, the blue milk from, uh, you see it first in New Hope and you can get it at Galaxy's Edge. There's a lot of there's a lot of foods that you can actually get at Well, Galaxy's there's actually, Edge. there's a Galaxy's Edge cookbook. Yeah. Because I want to buy it. I like, because just out of like... I'd probably not make that much stuff from it, but just for fun, I really yeah. want to get it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so I've written up a few things. There's one, roasted pork. Oh, no. <laughs> in Last Jedi, I would eat To be that. fair, I think a roasted pork would be delicious. I mean, porgs are adorable and I love them, but... They're, they're cute, no. but annoying, aren't they? Yeah, I, I would definitely eat one of those. Um, one of them as well, there's the Jogan fruit and the Melu run fruit, which I think you can find them both on Lothal, but one of them is meant to be like a superfood almost and there's just a couple which you can cook or you can eat raw there's a couple of fruits that I wouldn't mind trying like Star Wars fruits they wouldn't taste anything like we would understand because they'd be made of different planets and stuff <laughs> so and the other one uh, is actually in the in the Force Awakens um, when Rey uh, gets the goes to Uncar Plutt and gets the portions she trades all the scrap metal and he gives her that weird little packet and she pours water on it and it 
turns oh, into that muffin yeah, thing. Yeah, that's yeah. called portioned bread. And funny fun fact about that, that isn't CGI. That's not computer generated. That actually, science. Yeah, they actually literally did a thing where you can pour yeah. a certain water on it and it makes that fluffy that's thing. Cool. I'm not 100% sure if it was edible. I have a feeling it might have been. But I, I can't really remember exactly what well, it That's a cool little thing, isn't it? Yeah. So when you see Hero Force Awakens episode seven, go back and watch it if you can't remember. <laughs> pour it pour it on there. It's actually real. No special effects. And no, well, it's, it is special effects, but it's the sort of, it's science. It's not CGI. It's not CGI. It's, it's not just science. Generated. So yeah, I, I would like to try those things. I mean, there's also in Galaxy's Edge, there are a lot of meals, which is like a roasted Luma Luma or Tauntaun and things like that, where... You can uh, eat a Lothcat. I'm not sure you can eat Lothcats. I don't think they sell that there. <laughs> But it's good remembering you remembering the, uh, thank the you, animal thank you. Yeah, they feature in the Doctor Afro comics, and they also obviously in Rebels as well because they live on Lothal. Mm. But yeah, I think Blue Milk's the the fun one. Yeah, I, I want to try Blue Milk. Blue Milk just... is kind of the equivalent of like Harry Potter's bu- Butterbeer, isn't it? Yeah, which we've tried as well, which you did not like, and I love. No, I hate it. It's like cream soda y sort <laughs> it's of stuff. Gross. It's lovely. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> But yeah, so that's basically it for part one. Uh, we'll probably record the next either later today or tomorrow. So we'll be back soon for questions from the same people. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you think I sounded like Muttley then? Yeah, I think you did. We're gonna, I'm going to keep that and record it. <laughs> keep that recording in. Anyway, so part two of the Q&A. Q&A part one was yesterday. Q&A part two is today. Too much Star Wars for me in one go. It it was a lot. We had stuff to do. um, (laughs) To start this one off, we've got nine questions for part two. And to begin with, we're going to start off with a couple of dad jokes because I am Jack's Musings, one of the powerful people who is not only on Comics in Motion and does the show Binging Buffy with Tony Monthly, also has his own reviews, Jack's Musings and things. And yeah, his uh, Twitter is at I am Jack's Musings. And so these are his um, dad jokes. So I'm reading them out. And I haven't heard these yet either. You haven't? No, there's three of them that he put in. So big up to Jack's Musings. So these are some jokes that uh, Jack's Musings wrote for his super son. Um, Some dad jokes. So here we go. Where did Han take Chewie when he got sick? Where? Boba Vets. Oh my god. Here's another one. What is Jabba's favourite breed of dog? What? Poodoo. Poodoo. It's a word for poo and Hatties. Oh, sorry, that one went over my head, but I'm sure bigger fans will uh, appreciate I'm it. I'm not sure they would. <laughs> sorry, Jack. Uh, and then also, what did Obi-Wan do when Luke couldn't get the lid off his blue milk bottle? What? He forced it. Oh, my Lord. So there we go. Those are the comedic genius. I enjoyed Jack. them. Yeah, he's and he sent over some Styles questions as well. And in fact, we're starting with one of them. So shall we hit this? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, let's, let's get pumped. So... <laughs> From I Am Jack's Musings, the first question is, what is the best sequence from canon so far? And he says, it, what and why is it the, the first scene in Re, uh, Return of the Jedi, episode six? So when he goes to like, Jabba's palace and stuff, mm. he says that's the best one. Which I, I think is a pretty fair shout. I, it is one of my favourites, but it's not my favourite all-time sequence in all of Star Wars. Um, what would yours be? Including, if we say including the movies and everything, just generally, because we'll, there's a couple of questions that go deeper into certain aspects. So just in general, is there a favourite sequence when you watch either the Star Wars or Clone Wars or whatever, your favourite thing to see? So I think from the movies, it would be um, probably maybe what you're going to say, to be honest. What? I don't know if you are going to say this, but is is in episode three when Anakin and Obi-Wan are like facing each other off at, on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I really like it. I, I think it's just because, first of all, you really like it. So okay. I've seen it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, I just, I find that I like the things that I can quote. Yeah. And that's something that I enjoy quoting. And if I enjoy doing it, then it's something that I... Yeah, there are a lot of lines. I like, so... High Ground, you're my brother Anakin, you know, lots of parts like that. And I think it's just a really cool sequence to see how, like, it's kind of the end of Anakin. Yeah. And then the start of Vader. Within the other realm of canon, so, like, including the Clone Wars series and Mm -hmm. stuff, it would probably be when Ahsoka sees... Darth Vader for the first time because mm. obviously in Rebels in, in Rebels yeah because Ahsoka very, very minor spoilers but it's when you watch Rebels it, like, before... are we allowed to do spoilers? yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. spoiler it's, it's, it's a spoiler for Rebels it's not a major major spoiler we won't say everything explicitly that happens in the whole scene to ruin it but Ahsoka does co- confront Vader at some point in Star Wars Rebels and obviously Anakin was Ahsoka's master in the Clone Wars it's just so goddamn good it's and so I just powerful. I remember throughout the entirety of watching the stuff I was just like I really want to see Ahsoka see Darth Vader like mm. I want them to meet like I was continuously saying that I was like when is this gonna happen like I want to see it happen and then when it did happen I got a lot of satisfaction out of it especially the first time watching it mm-hmm. um I really liked that it is it is a very very powerful scene those two scenes are two of my favorite scenes in all styles as well I think the Mustafa battle in episode three is all this build up I think if the older 66 montage is one of my favorites as well because the music is so harrowing and it's so brutal and upsetting to watch where mm-hmm. the prequel trilogy is fairly light-ish like generally it's not especially with Jar Jar and the first one and things like that and then you it all culminates and becomes episode three which is so strong and there's so much darkness in it and everything is so hard hitting so I'd be inclined to agree there my also favourite scene is probably in Return of the Jedi um, when Luke fights Vader and he basically lets the dark side in a little bit and mm-hmm. then he beats Vader because Vader's weakened by the fact that he's fighting his son and he doesn't really want to kill him and stuff and he's all conflicted. And Luke taps into the dark side and he's like smashing Vader and Vader's like on the floor holding his lightsaber up, like basically ready to die. And Luke is just slamming his saber down like angrily again and again on his thing and then obviously he slices his hand off. Yeah. It's just that moment where it's like Luke could very easily killed Vader there. And it's that moment where he decides not to, which makes him different from Anakin. And that's like a big turning point, both if you look at the um, original trilogy in its own, but also if you look at the whole saga, like the three kind of the biggest points in Star Wars for me are in episode three, when Anakin becomes the Vader we know from the confrontation with Obi-Wan, Order 66, the extermination of the Jedi, and when Luke decides not to kill Vader. They're probably my three favourite parts. You know what? Speaking of another one with Luke, and this is a spoiler for The Mandalorian Season 2, so mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, don't I mean, listen to People should this. know about it you by now. You should know. <laughs> it's been out long enough. Uh, I really like the bit where Luke Skywalker turns up and awesome. just kills loads of droids and like Baby Yoda, also known as Grogu, Grogu but will forever be Baby Yoda in my heart. Yeah. Is just there, and you could just see everyone else in like the cockpit, and then in like, the bridge, in the, the bridge, bridge, like where they drive the ship, mm-hmm, yeah. And um, then you've got, yeah, they can just see it on the security camera, and they don't yeah. know who it is, they don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, and everyone's just kind of on edge. I really like that as well. Yeah, that's one of the cool. That is held as one of the coolest. I think that's going to go down in Star Wars history as one of the best moments in Star Wars because it's it's just the music is incredible, and the way it drip feeds you, and every fan knew it was Luke at a different point. Like it's yeah, a, a, well, I mean, realistically, it had to be. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. I even said in one of my videos um, when people were asking me about what I think is going to happen, um, and I said I'm pretty sure Luke's going to appear. I was like, in 
in The Mandalorian, everyone was basically like, Luke is the only Jedi, really, who we know is about, which isn't Ahsoka, but Ahsoka doesn't quite class herself as a Jedi. Luke's the only one we know for absolute certainty is about and is ready to go. You know, they didn't... It could have been Ezra, but I think in the Ahsoka series, it's going to go into the whole kind of synopsis of Ahsoka as her finding out what happened to Ezra and stuff and Rebels. So I think that him coming was a big... It was, it was going to be him all along, but it was still just yet breathtaking when he appeared. It was Agatha all along. It was Agatha all along. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah. but So we had a few moments there. So, right, question two is from Matthew B. Lloyd. Have you ever found continuity errors in the new canon? So there's two answers in this, in part. There's one which is really minor stuff that doesn't really make any difference to anyone, and then there's more major stuff. Now, there's also... It depends how one wants to define it, because there's certain parts which is like the new canon in air quotes is basically anything after 2014. So it's basically the sequel trilogy is in including the new canon. Now in the sequel trilogy, there are little bits and pieces. I mentioned one earlier, which was when Poe Dameron talks to, I think it's Zori. Oh, about the spice running. About the spice running and about all that sort of stuff. And it is all like that doesn't really fit, but they wrote a book to make it fit. There's other small ones, things like um, in... You know, uh, in the original trilogy, in A New Hope, uh, Ad- I think it's General Moff. It's either Moffy or it's Teg. It's either yeah, Grand Admiral Moffy or Teg. But he says to Vader, um, he says something about you and your ancient religion, and it's been like twenty years. And it's just a bit like, um, is twenty years old enough for something to be considered ancient, <laughs> even with all the propaganda? Probably not. Um, but specifically in the new canon, there's there's a book called Ahsoka that came out. Um, and it was made before season seven of the Clone Wars was even ever something on the cards because Clone Wars they were meant to do a certain amount of seasons it got cut short so there's certain arcs they couldn't do they turned some of them into books and comics and then other ones they just used when years and years later Clone Wars series seven was being made they used it for that and other stuff is going to probably be used in the Bad Batch as well in the Ahsoka book it talks about her as flashbacks of her fighting Maul and she talks about her green lightsabers and obviously in Clone Wars season seven she actually has blue lightsabers because Anna can change them that's a minor thing mm-hmm. it doesn't ruin the book it doesn't even ruin anything it's one throwaway line and one could just argue oh her memory was wrong she forgot it differently because it's her recalling a time there's that there's in certain comics there's one comic which has uh, just certain panels they call this commander commander other times they call them general other times they call them admiral and they just don't consistently call them the same rank that's a minor thing um, that happens and then there's also I've said about Poe Dameron and I think Star Wars Annual number three um, is a one-off comic where it's meant to be Luke meeting Sana Staros and it's meant to I think the synopsis says it's meant to take place around the eighth comic or something but they meet in the sixth comic right like the first time so it's just there's lots of in, in the be class really more as a typo than a yeah that sort of thing which is kind of like when two characters meet and then they're meant to have met before this event but they actually met after it or something along those lines you just got to choose which one fits the best and either go okay well this comic says it was set now really it was set two weeks later or the character said something stupid that they didn't mean you, yeah. you know it's one of those things I there's think, no big ones not really there's there's no massive ones I mean in the sequel trilogy there's parts where it's like you know with the whole Palpatine controlling Snoke stuff that still hasn't really been explained very well where it's basically like so Snoke had his yeah, own yeah with sentience. all the like weird little jars of Snoke's that's yeah. a bit and it's like and Palpatine says to Kylo like oh you've I've always been the voice inside your head but they said in The Force Awakens I think the idea was when he was touching Vader's helmet he was having like mini Force visions kind of like Leia kind of like Rahab when she touched Anakin's lightsaber in The Force Awakens yeah um, but it's just like but if it 
if Palpatine says, oh, I've been every voice in your head, and then it does a little montage of he hears Vader's and Snoke's and blah, blah, you'd go, well, if that was Palpatine, does that then undo the other stuff of Kylo? Unless and, it was Palpatine putting on a voice of all those different people. Well, that's what they insinuate. Because he can obviously manipulate people's heads. Well, that's what they're so. insinuating. So does that mean that he can't, Kylo wasn't having Force Visions and it was just Palpatine? So that questions, can he fit? You know, there's all these little yeah. things. It's basically just with Palpatine returning and Kylo Ren not being a Sith. That's the big problem because the thing is, is Snoke says he's not a Sith. But if he was being controlled by Palpatine all the time and Palpatine is a Sith, then is he not a Sith then by proxy? And that's what Kylo Ren kind of is then? It's just, it gets muddy and things don't really make sense when the relationship between Snoke and Kylo in 7 and 8, when they make it so that basically Palpatine was behind all of it, you're just like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. So things like that are kind of annoying. That's why Rise of Skywalker is one of my least favourite of the films. I th- I still prefer it, I think, to Phantom Menace and maybe Attack of the Clones. But it's, it's the, the problem is there are certain plot points that you can't just kind of glaze over. Like the comment about ancient religion, you could say either the propaganda or he's being specifically... He's saying the word ancient when really he means a couple of decades, but he's saying it in an attacking way. Yeah. There's, there's lots of little ways you can get around things like when Pad- uh, when Leia says she can remember what her mother looked like, even though she saw her for like one second. But <laughs> in the comics, they kind of give her a couple of force visions here and there that she kind of, or like feelings. She walks around Naboo and has like this feeling about like Maul and Padme and he doesn't know, she doesn't know it is Maul. She, it just kind of shows her having this vision and seeing certain images and things. Yeah. So... It's, it's mainly just, in short, it's basically... There are lots of little ones, but that's just what happens when you make a big universe. The MCU is riddled with them. But when it's like actual huge big things, aside from Palpatine stuff of Snoke, I don't really think there's any that are major. Most of them either get explained in a comic or book, or you can kind of just not... Almost like don't squint at it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So from I Am Jack's Musings, are there any Legends characters that you would want to see in canon? Now, I have said this before on the show I don't know that much about Legends the majority of stuff from Legends that I know comes from playing the video games um, I didn't read any of the Legends books um, I'm reading a couple at the moment I'm reading the book of the Sith which takes little bits and pieces out of a lot of the old Sith books there's a, there's a Darth Bane trilogy all about the Rule of Two that's a quite a popular book series there's the Knights of the Old Republic games and things which goes on about um, like the ancient Sith like thousands of years ago and the Sith and the Jedi Wars and Darth Revan and Darth Malak and all these um, not Malak um, I think it's Malak um, all these different Sith and there's one Nihilist and things that can eat planets and there's all kinds of craziness so and there's loads of legends obviously it's like 30 plus years of legend stuff so I don't know as many things about a lot of the legend stuff as other people so my pool is more shallow but my favourite legends character um, is in the game The Force Unleashed which is what my tattoo is of um, anyone on line I occasionally post it in things and it's Starkiller slash Galen Marrick and he was the secret apprentice of Darth Vader after Revenge of the Sith it was like halfway between or no it was towards of the 20 year gap between episode 3 and 4 it was like a few years it was around the time of Rebels it was about a few years before A New Hope he has an apprentice that he's secretly training Palpatine doesn't know about it and he has to go around and hunt down Jedi and this guy Galen Marrick has to kill loads of old Jedi he kills Shark T who's a member of the Jedi Council he kills loads of others and then the first game is him basically at one point turning back to the light and then him basically trying to undermine Vader while under the guise of still being his apprentice and you fight Vader a couple times and then you fight Palpatine and stuff and it's just it explains how the, the Rebel Alliance got their symbol in that but obviously it's legends and so it's not true it's not canon there's a character called general kota that's really good but rebels basically used a lot of those elements star wars rebels there's a general kota in 
The Force Unleashed is very, very similar to Kanan. Hmm. Uh, even mild spoiler alert to do with both of them at some point lose their vision. So it's like, there's so many parallels to it. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite Legends character, um, I would say. Uh, that's why I've got a tattoo of him as well. Um, but you haven't really watched... Do you know who I want? I want the Shaggy Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's in... Um... There's there's from Scooby-Doo, there's a character in Legends from the 2D animated Clone Wars series. Yeah, I pointed out to you. Series, yeah, the, we watched it the other day. There's... So he's called Shaggy Shag- from Scooby Doo. Shaggy. Shaggy, and S- he's a Jedi. S H A apostrophe A space G I. Yeah, Shag-y. I want him. I want to see him in canon. <laughs> yeah, he was actually um, in the micro series of Clone Wars, the two D animated one that's in under Star Wars Vintage on Disney Plus, which is Legends. Uh, yeah, there's a character towards the end of Volume One, um, which goes up against Grievous, him and. Uh, the one that Kaidi looks like Ahsoka. Mundi. Kaidi Mundi, Shark T is the one who looks like Ahsoka. Ayla Sakura, who's a Twi'lek. Um, they all go against him. Um, Grievous. And yeah, this guy gets killed by Grievous pretty quickly. He gets wrecked. Um, he is in yeah, Clone Wars Chapter 20, the mini one. And he's also in something called Star Wars Battle for the Republic. Um, well, which is, a, which is a strategy game. I want to see Shaggy. Shaggy. In canon. That would be a bit of fun. <laughs> I like those sort of things. Like, Obi-Wan's home planet is Stu John, and that's because it's a, a George Lucas really liked John Stewart, and John Stewart said he really liked Obi-Wan, and he asked where he came from, and George Lucas said Stu John. That's funny. And he's like, he's John Stewart. So it's just, it's just like a silly little thing where in, it doesn't matter if a planet is called Stu John or not. There's there's also certain characters that are kind of named after other like famous people and things like that. But yeah. That's okay. Legends. Cool. Now, question four is from the great Tony Farina. So, besides Afra, who is the best character created for the comics? So, in the comics, um, along with Afra, there's Triple Zero and BT One are pretty cool. I've shown you a few panels of them, which is like basically C three PO and R two D two if they're complete psychopaths mm. and they like actually actively enjoyed killing people. <laughs> and the to triple- be fair, R two doesn't seem like he doesn't not like. <laughs> no, R two D two does go. R two is ruthless. In some of the comics as well, he kills a lot of people, um, but. Yeah, he basically, Triple uh, Zero, he's basically C-3PO, but he's dark grey with red eyes and he kills people by draining them. Um, like he likes to drain their blood. He Ooh. has like a hand of syringes and his hand, ha- his other hand has got like a buzzsaw on it, like other needles. He injects people with like nerve toxins God. and then just tortures them while they can't move, but they can still feel everything. All that sort of stuff is in the comics. Pretty grim. But he's, he's a pretty awesome character um, from the comics. There's also... This is a character that's going to link in with a question later on. And this is a character who's created in the Star Wars comics, Star Wars Legends comics from 1977 or 78. Like, so before even Empire Strikes Back came out, there's a character called Baylor Valance and he's a bounty hunter who's a cyborg. And he is in his own comic series at the moment and he's been in several miniseries and stuff. And he is now canon again, and they've basically used a lot of element, elements from the Legends character for him, and I'll go into that a little bit more later. He's a really cool character for the comics. Um, Star- Sana Staros, she is a smuggler who married Han Solo for a, mm. like, what was it, like a job? Not not quite a job, but they did it as a ruse, like a scheme to get money out of someone. Fair and enough. they did like a fake wedding. Um, <laughs> and she, yeah, she's like a smuggler. But they don't actually get married. No, she basically, she shows up in the comics after like, I think the end of the first arc of this main run of Star Wars comics. So it's set like weeks after A New Hope. Yeah. Hands with Leia and Sana tracks him and then basically approaches him and says, 
to Leia like he's my husband and he's like whoa no I'm not and so Leia's really angry at Han because she thinks he's lying it's always almost like a love triangle before they're all into each other right. in a weird little way but she is a really interesting character because she actually has a relationship with Dr. Afra, who is a woman so it's not in because these they have these characters that have relationships with men or women in Star Wars they're a lot more sort of uh, free with it in a lot of ways especially in the comics they don't make a big fuss it makes Sana she's quite an interesting vulnerable character because she's kind of she's hurt by Han for a while and then she kind of gets over that and hangs out with Luke Leia and stuff and helps with rebellion matters and whatnot but has her own stuff going on but then she interacts with Afra because of one reason or another and then she has this weird draw to Afra where she hates herself for getting involved with Afra because Afra is this rogue archaeologist who's kind of like Indiana Jones but kind of bad and who always, you know, screws people over, that mm. sort of thing. And she kind of has a soft spot for Afra and kind of lets her off certain things, but right. shouldn't do. And then she got hurt really badly by Afra like years before and has a real hump on her back about it. And she has to kind of try and get over that and not let Afra get to her. And it's all this, it's all the, basically the intricacies of being in relationships with people, but in a clever way that's makes the character more interesting. Plus space. Mm. Yeah. So Sana Star, she's, she's great, uh, another character specifically for the comics cool so the next question is from uh at comic foil why is the dark horse comic book series s x-wing rogue squadron still the best star wars title 22 years after it ended now i have said before that i do not have not read that much legend stuff i know a lot of legends video games i know a lot of bits and pieces so i had to look up rogue squadron um unfortunately because i played the rogue squadron the Rogue, I think it was the Rogue Squadron games. They were on the N64 originally and they got re-released on the GameCube and you fly an X-Wing and you do the Death Star Trench and things like that. And they are very difficult. I'll say that much. Um, but the actual comics themselves, I've not read them. So I can't actually comment on the fact of why they are potentially the best comics. A lot of people, there are certain Legends comics that people do cling to. I would say if people, uh, one of the, com uh, the complaints I've heard is that a lot of the new comics and stuff, there's not that many things surrounding pilots very right. much, which I'm okay with because I like my favorite thing about Star Wars is the Force and lightsaber battles and that's mm -hmm. all spiritual side of things in that realm and character depth. With pilot stuff, I'm not as interested by space battles and stuff. Like there's a lot of that in other sci-fi mediums, and that's not why I like sci-fi necessarily. Yeah, I like the tech, but I don't. I'm not as excited by ships and things. But I'm just basically getting the uh, Rogue Squadron details up. Because the video game, there are th three video games, yeah, that I remember playing in like the late 90s. And so with the Rogue Squadron comics, the ones that um, Comic Foil has mentioned, which are published by Dark Horse, uh, it came out in 1995. And it went for 35 issues, and it seems to be primarily starring one of my favourite characters. Is it Wedge Antilles? It is Wedge Antilles. <laughs> now, I haven't read this, um, actually, so I need to check this out, because I've heard this, I think there's Dark Empire books or comics as well and there's like there's quite a few legends comics that a lot of people keep telling me to read and it's just like i'm trying to read enough of the canon i'm trying to you know I'm, i've got i've read all the canon comics bar the poe dameron comics as of yet and then i need to read some idw ones but all the marvel ones i've read but there are so many books and they release like a book every few months and it's like i can't read quick enough to catch up to all these books they're releasing Slow um, reader. and also trying to read all of uh trying to read legends as well which is 30 40 years of stuff yeah um, there's a lot of content to get through yeah i've heard these comics these comics are good they're starring wedge antilles release 995 i don't know why they haven't released anything that's best i'd say if people are really into pilot stuff there's the comic book 
TIE Fighter, which was four or five issues. That was pretty cool. Followed some TIE Fighter pilots. There's Han Solo Imperial Cadet, and that follows some cadets in the Imperial Academy, including Han Solo. And Baylor Valance, funny enough, that's when he's first introduced in the canon. Um, so there are some, but it's mainly, I'd say, the Vader comics. They're kind of the, the good ones to go for. I'd argue they're prob- they could be better, but I don't know. It depends. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, next question is from Matthew B. Lloyd. How about the time that Luke and Leia had sex in a splinter in the mind's eye? Now, I had to look this up because I wasn't aware of what this even was. Um, and I'm not... I messaged Matt after reading this uh, earlier and he's in a completely different time zone and he has not yet responded <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just double checking t- to see he didn't he didn't respond to it yet but I basically said I, I couldn't find record of the fact that they had had sex in it but what I did find out interestingly enough is it was the first ever Star Wars book in the expanded universe so what it was it was released in uh, 1978 and basically what it was, was that there was a script called like the Legends of Luke Starkiller, because the original name of Luke Skywalker was going to be Luke Starkiller. He, um, George Lucas wrote like a, in 1976 or something, he wrote like this original script for Star Wars and then it didn't get made. Um, they, they had to tweet, he tweaked it and stuff and made it eventually what we know Star Wars today. And he excluded all the other tweaks he's done. <laughs> I was just, I was just um, thinking the but, same thing. Yeah, generally similar to the Star Wars we have today. Um, but basically he had this script and they weren't sure if Star Wars was going to be a hit. In fact, most people thought it wasn't going to be a hit at all and they thought it was just going to bomb. So when they made it, this, um, George Lucas basically let this author get a hold of the script. Um, of this, the un, the not done Star Wars script, and basically mix parts and elements of it with what they knew was going to be in the Star Wars film to write a sequel book, because they didn't think they were going to have enough money to have a sequel film. Now the book's written by Alan Dean Foster, and as I said, it's called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and it's basically Han and Chewie aren't even in it. Luke and Leia go to basically get stranded on this planet after escape Darth Vader. That's essentially what it is. But in the book, they get like weirdly flirty with each other and they have like those like, inner monologues and it says that they have confusing emotions about each other mm. and this was this was obviously a year after Star Wars came out this got released so it was before Lucas had actually made the decision to make late, uh, Leia and Luke siblings which is obviously why they kiss in A New Hope and it's weird and I think even at the start of Empire um, I think they only kiss once I think they kiss twice altogether Mm. Um, I think I think she kisses him on the cheek. I think, yeah, one's hope. a kiss on the cheek, and then one is a kiss on the lips. Yeah, I think so. I think, but regardless, when before George Lucas decided to do that, obviously there are weird threads that they may have some sort of weird romantic attachment. And in that book, it was meant to be like a, a sequel to Empire, and then it's kind of Empire got made and doesn't necessarily contradict what happened in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. So it was like the first expanded universe title, along with the Star Wars newspaper strips. And the Marvel comics, which all were released before Empire came out and before he was even certain Empire was even going to be a thing. So Luke and Leia, to my knowledge, haven't actually had sex unless there's another piece of content or it is in there and every review and article I've read about it doesn't mention it. Um, but yeah, they, I don't think they, they did, but obviously they're still probably a bit too close because Lucas didn't tell the author what he was planning on doing because he hadn't made his mind up yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, okay, so question seven is from I Am Jack's Musings. Do you think the latest main Star Wars comics run will detail the machinations behind the plot to rescue Han? Basically, will the new Star Wars comics give the details of how they rescued Han from Jabba's palace in 
Return of the Jedi. So that's basically referring to, uh, in the new canon, I think comic releases were late 2014, but early 2015 primarily. The main run of Star Wars comics ran for 75 issues, and that was set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, so episodes four and five. The run that's going on now that's written by Charles Saul, uh, the previous run was written by a couple of different people. I think Kieran Gillen wrote it towards the end. Um, I can't remember who wrote it to begin with. Uh, Jason Aaron, I think. And then Kieran Gillen. Um, and Charles was writing it now. But the one going on now that's on its like 10th issue or so, that is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I heard in an interview with Charles Saul that they're not going to go into the details of how Luke got his green lightsaber because the author, Charles Saul, still feels like the deleted scene in Return of the Jedi where Luke's in a cave sawing out his lightsaber. He counts that as when Luke made his lightsaber and he doesn't view that as not being canon in his mind so he mm. is allowing that to be the thing which is fine I'd rather see Luke do it but who knows he might just be teasing or whatever the thing is is that it's just a little bit of extra detail that you don't need mm. like you don't need to see why his lightsaber is suddenly a different colour like you don't would be getting you don't one. need him getting his happen. kyber crystal and him building the lightsaber it's one thing it's, like it's something that we've seen before like you don't need to see the same thing yeah we've seen it in Clone Wars and I think we see it in Rebels but most audiences haven't seen it but then again most people who haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels aren't going to be reading comics exactly generally speaking most comic readers have seen either Clone Wars Rebels or both um, but the question was about the plan to rescue them I don't know what there is a comic out which is the Age of it's the Age of series the Age of Rebellion which is the one shot comics about characters from the Rebellion um, I did an episode about it I think episode 47 uh, so a few weeks ago and there's a the Leia comic so it's Age of Rebellion Princess Leia it goes into detail about her her and Lando and Chewie going to Jabba's palace once uh, like when she's got her bounty hunter gear on but it's about her getting her bounty hunter gear um, initially and having to pretend to be the character she played which I think is called Bosch um, has to play that character Bosch in front of Bosk to trick him to for some reason or another um so you can read that and that'll give you a little bit of information it's not a bad comic but at the moment it probably will i mean it's it's only about a year between episode five and six and so i don't know if they're gonna go into depths about the plan to rescue Han or not they are kind of talking about how they keep needing to go to tatooine but things keep popping up and they can't do this and can't do that and i think there's other storylines and bits and pieces threads they're going to get to but I, I think they probably will like would you I know you don't read the comics but like do you care how they rescued Han? No not really I don't, I don't know like Is there anything you'd want to see that like again? I mean it would be interesting to see how it happened but like oh. I don't feel the need to have every part of it filled but it's yeah. the same thing with the the lightsaber like you were just saying like you really want to see it happen whereas I don't really care like Yeah like, I saw the deleted scene where he changes the lightsaber, and to me, it didn't add anything. So it's just kind of like, okay, cool. He's got a different color lightsaber. <laughs> is, there, is there anything at the moment in canon that you haven't seen that you would want? Like, even if it's like a gap in time, like, for example, between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones with more training of Anakin, or between this film and this film, like, is there any time period or, or scene that you haven't seen that you'd want to? The only thing that I'd be interested in seeing is some of Anakin's training when he was younger. Mm. But I imagine he's just going to be whiny like <laughs> he is in every single film. So, That's fair point. like, I don't feel like I need to see anything else. The only the only things that I really enjoyed seeing that frustrates me that it's not always in the cut is the extended version of Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith because it has loads of, like, secret... Uh, so there's are they deleted scenes or is yeah. it yeah so the, there's a version that we watched where all of the deleted scenes are included in the movie and 
I really liked it because it because sh- in the third film, to me, without those scenes, Padme, Padme is just kind of a bit of a a doormat, really. Yeah, a wet blanket. She's a bit of a wet blanket. She doesn't really have that much character to her. And then when you see her in the previous films, or if you see her in the Clone Wars series, you see that she is a badass. Whereas in this film, she's just like, oh, Annie, oh, Annie. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, like, have a bit of backbone. But the deleted scenes that we watched show her having like secret meetings with people from the Senate to try and essentially override what Palpatine is doing. Yeah. And like with Bail Organa. With Bail Organa and you see all of those people that are connected to the rebellion trying to do this good thing, but it's not in the final cut of the movie. Yeah. So I really enjoyed seeing those things. But it's annoying that it's not in the normal cut. Yeah, it's like a whole I know that long. wasn't the question that you asked me. No, but it's like a whole 10 minute long subplot about Padme yeah. and Bail Organa trying to get rid of Palpatine's power. And I think they basically vaguely realise they won't be able to do it. So they have to try and make other arrangements, I think is what they kind of alluded to. And that's the sort of the first ideas of the rebellion is them kind of doing things under the radar. I guess I suppose if there's anything that I would want to see is little things like that. But then I don't really care about politics either, so it's surprising that I enjoyed <laughs> those bits of the film. I think it adds weight to Padme and Bail Organa. I, I, my favourite, the era I want them to explore the most is between episode six and seven. I want to see loads of stuff about Luke, like at the Jedi Temple. I, really, I want to see Kylo. I'd like to see a movie. I'd be happy to watch a movie. They'll almost definitely never do this. But I'd be happy to see like a Kylo Ren movie where it what, starts... Where off. it's Luke Skywalker's like training schools. Yeah, and the, well, the ending is him... Like maybe uh, at the Jedi Temple, striking loads of people down, it just ends in a real dark note, almost like Joker or the end of Rogue One in in a way, mm. you know, where you've got this sort of slow burn where you're just watching Kylo Ren from a young age have like a bad relationship with Han, have Leia being busy being in politics and all these sorts of other things, and then having Luke. You just want to see more Kylo Ren. I love Kylo Ren. <laughs> but then you get to see Luke going around doing what he does in the comics of in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, which are excellent. Yeah, but I don't really like Luke that much. I, yeah, excuse me. But like, I would just like to see Luke going around with like Lawson Tecker and Kylo Ren and going to loads of old Jedi sites and ex- excavating them the excavating excavating them and doing all that sort of stuff and watching Kylo slowly get seduced by the dark side to like get Snoke whispering in his ear and that would be cool yeah what's the next question then okay so penultimate question is from Matthew B. Lloyd have comic stories from legends been brought into canon so there's there's certain aspects there's the ones which are there's a lot of legend stories that have been brought into canon. The biggest ones are things of Thrawn because they were Thrawn in Rebels and Thrawn in The Mandalorian takes a lot from when Thrawn was created in the Heir to the Empire books by Timothy Zorn in the late 80s and early 90s, I think. And it was basically the, the original book sequels to the original trilogy. And they're set like five to ten years after, I think it is. And the thing is, what they're basically doing now is in The Mandalorian, what it seems like, and with the Ahsoka series and all these other things, they're basically building a series around a big event. And the big event is basically going to be Thrawn coming back. And that is probably going to be very similar plotline-wise to what happened in these Air to the Empire books. Right. I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, aside from that, there's in, in the comics, like the original Star Wars comics, I haven't read a huge amount of them, but the character I mentioned earlier, Baylot Valance, he's a cyborg bounty hunter. He's like half machine. He's got like his face half his face looks like a robot and he's he basically starts off as like a bad guy and then he's because he has this massive hate of droids and he hates himself and all these other things and he's he has a conflict with luke um i think and then basically he eventually kind of sacrifices himself to save people that's generally his plot in the legends comics and then in 
the modern canon, so you get him in Han Solo Imperial Cadet, he's definitely an antagonist, he sucks. Then right at the very end, he has like a mild turning point. Then you get the Target Vader comics, which is the bounty hunters going after Vader, um, I think just before the Battle of Hoth. I think it's just before, just after Empire Strikes Back. And in that, he you get more flashbacks to him and him being the Imperial Army and becoming a better person and blah, blah, blah. And now he's a bounty hunter that's kind of like, he will kill people fairly non-discriminately, but only when they kind of start something with him. Like he doesn't take joy out of killing people. And, and that's someone in the canon. Yeah. Yeah. He he used he was created. He's one of the oldest Star Wars characters there is. In the Star Wars comics in 78, which is before most Star Wars characters. That was before the franchise was even really a thing. Yeah. Just after the first film and some comics and stuff. So Balut Valance is a Balut. Valance is probably the biggest one, I'd say. Um, and Thrawn. Thrawn is... is pretty massive i'd say thrawn was the biggest one and then in general legends to canon i think and then very low valance <laughs> he, he's he's the biggest one from the comic cool then we're on to the last question which is from dave horrocks what is the biggest surprise moment slash oh my god moment in all star wars comics since 2015 right so i'll say the first star the comics ones first and then you can say what the biggest one is outside of the comics so in the comics it's probably in Darth Vader number I think it's number 6 it's like no is it, I think it's Darth Vader number 5 it's, it's either Darth Vader number 5 or 6 I think it might be 5 and it's basically when Vader bleeds his lightsaber crystal that's just insane it's in the Charles Saul run 2017 um, of Darth Vader comics and he beats a Jedi the, the first few issues of him finding a Jedi beating him and etc and then he gets his crystal and then just takes him and it's, there's almost no dialogue in the whole comic it's just him walking and having force visions and things and trying to like bleed this lightsaber crystal by pushing all of his like hatred and anger into it and stuff to turn the crystal red and it's just such a powerful set of panels and the artwork is absolutely incredible and it was like whoa I didn't because before that happened the red crystals didn't have an explanation in canon in legends lightsaber crystals were synthetic so Sith, Sith instead of getting a kyber crystal from one of those planets like Ilum or whatever instead of going there and getting one of their own and just going red or taking a Jedi's one and bleeding it which is what is in the new canon they would just create their own lightsaber crystals right. and if you create your own crystal it is almost always red I think that's kind of because it's like this unnatural thing yeah and that's what it was in Legends so lightsaber bleeding is a new thing in the canon and it's only in the Darth Vader comics the Kyle, Rise of Kylo Ren comic, both by Charles Saul, and then also in the Ahsoka book, she cleanses the lightsabers, which is why she has white lightsaber crystals, mm. so, you, so you can cleanse a previously bled crystal. Uh, and also in the High Republic books, there's a Jedi character who has this ancient Sith, Sith spear from like thousands of years ago, and she cleansed it as well. So it's lots of cool little threads, and that's in the book by Charles Saul. So he's like the bleeding, the mar- the the bleeding king. The Bleeding um, King. The Bleeding King. So that was the biggest moment in that. In comics, for you. In, in the comics, yeah. The Kylo Ren one was pretty intense as well. But, you know, there are, there are some really cool moments. Um, there's Mainly with Vader. But there's some really cool, like, Afra stuff where it's really clever and fun. And there are... There's, like, there's a story that's ongoing in the main run of Star Wars comics and that 2017 Darth Vader run. And both of them, there's a plot line which... Is basically you've got Vader going to Mon Cala where Admiral Akbar and stuff is. The Mon Calamari. Yeah, and he goes down there to the Quarren and uh, Mon Cala, and basically he goes there and enslaves all their people. And then the comics that are coming out at the same time was of the main run of Star Wars comics, which was set 
after A New Hope, which is 20 years later. Mm. So you're getting Vader in one week. You'll get one, uh, one month, sorry, you get one comic which is showing Vader taking over Moncala, killing its leaders, destroying it, and enslaving its people. And then you've got, in the Star Wars comics, 20 years later, them going to this this uh, city, these people that have been held down by the Empire for 20 years and all their leaders are gone, except like one. Yeah. And they're going, they're trying to convert them to the rebellion and they're saying, we've suffered through mu- too much from the Empire. We can't fight back, that sort of thing. And it's really clever that you're reading one plot line and another and they're both connecting. Yeah, that's cool. So that was very cool. Um, in all of Star Wars, nice way to sort of round it up, um, the, the biggest surprise moment in all of Star Wars, um, I mean, Han Solo dying... And being Kylo Ren's dad. That was pretty big in The Force Awakens. I mean, yes, I, I do agree. I, I was thinking about when Han Solo dies. Like, that was an oh my god moment. I'm pretty sure when we watched it the first time, I cried mm. when he died. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I guess so. Mm. I just, I can't really think of anything else in Star Wars specifically that's made me go, oh my god. Mm. Oh. The only time, the other, other, the only other time that I can really think about is when it's in the Clone Wars series. When the bombing, the bombing, and yeah. Ahsoka, and just the Jedi. There's a, there's a whole arc. There's an arc about, about Ahsoka, it. and it's one of the best bits of all Star Wars. I don't think I've ever <laughs> felt more emotion for Star Wars than I did in that moment. You're like yelling at the TV. I was getting really, really animated about it. Um, so yeah, probably. Yeah. those two but the Ahsoka one in that in that yeah. arc of in series 5 we won't spoil what happens but it's so goddamn good yeah the Jedi Temple gets bombed and basically the only the a, a, <laughs> Ahsoka gets blamed for it essentially one of the main reasons that I'm mad about that episode in particular is because I predicted what was going to happen and I said it to Mike right at the beginning of the episode and I was like this is what's going to happen I think this is going to happen and then Mike does this thing where he he stays neutral so that I won't know what happens so that I can still enjoy it. But he said something that made me think that I was wrong. (laughs) So then I didn't think that what I thought was going to happen and then it did. So then I was just really angry because I had guessed it right the entire time and then I led myself because Mike made a comment to to think that I wasn't correct. (laughs) But it was a very... Uh, it's very emotional moving piece it, of Star Wars it's probably the, it's the most important story about Ahsoka in all of Star Wars oh, I for sure. say when you see Ahsoka in Mandalorian well it kind stuff, of defines her character really it doesn't does. it? it it completely defines who she is as a character and her relationship with the Jedi that that it, it's so beautifully done it's like dessert, that the ending of Clone Wars Series 7 and the finale of Series 2 of Rebels those That's three fair, parts, the ending of Rebels is yeah, but I mean to do specifically. Oh, you mean with another stuff of the Soaker as well? That yeah, another oh my god moment. To be fair, is when Order sixty six happens. That is pretty. Like when? Well, actually, let's go back to that. Go back to the first question of this entire thing. What's the best sequence from canon so far? That's one of the best sequences. I did say Order sixty six. You did say Order sixty six. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. Order sixty six is probably one of the. uh, most oh my god moments it's better like i think for me especially because i've watched the clone wars series Mm. and then cody turns on Mm -hmm. obi-wan you're like cody what are you doing like your friends (laughs) like so yeah i think then it makes the finale of series seven of the clone wars there's there's a whole thing when order 66 happens in the clone wars and it is absolutely phenomenal some of the best star wars there is you literally go on imdb the last four episodes of um, 
season seven of the Clone Wars, they're all over nine point five. Yeah, just even the, 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 the complete lead up to how Order sixty six happened. Mm-hmm. You get just, so much more backstory. Fantastic. You get so much backstory with inhibitor chips and this whole conspiracy surrounding. Oh, it's the clones. so good. I it's forgot not, how good it was. Yeah, it's not simple. It's just oh yeah, the clones just suddenly decided and went bad. And it's like there's in Legends, there's whole stories about clones like yeah, because I mad. I remember. That's what the bad batch is going to take. Well, yeah, but I remember watching. So obviously, when we first got together, I had not seen episodes two and three. No. Um, so I hadn't seen Order 66, like that hadn't happened. I didn't know that it even really existed. Like, so when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh my God, like that's crazy. And then I remember watching the Clone Wars animated series and being like, well, Cody's a baddie because he's going to turn on Obi-Wan. I was like, well, I know that Cody's a baddie. And Mike was like, you need to watch it. He was like, it's more complicated than that. That's the only breadcrumb I would give you. I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything else, but you just need to keep watching and things will make more sense. And we got to like series five and you're like, why are they still not, why do I still not know this? And I was like, just literally wait because it's in series six. It's like the middle arc or the starting arc of series six when five kind of gets involved a little bit with conspiracy. And it is like, oh my God. Uh, Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think... Obviously, Mandalorian, the, the finale series two of Mandalorian is one of those big moments. The Darth Any Vader scene bleeding. with Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even Baby Yoda was quite a big surprise moment. No, it was one of the best kept secrets in Star Wars. Yeah. No one had any idea about Baby Yoda or yeah. Grogu until or people saw him. Another one, uh, an oh my god moment, is when <laughs> Baby Yoda is just chomping away oh, yeah. on some eggs <laughs> that are like these people, this species' last <laughs> last family members remaining, yeah, and Grogu is there just like munching away on their babies. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that that's relatively all the questions. We've now, been, I mean, this part two is like 45 minutes. Part one was like half an hour. So we've been talking for like an hour and 15 minutes. Which is pretty good at nine Star Wars questions. Pretty good. Not nine. Uh, four, uh, God, no, no, it was nine questions this today. Part, and yesterday there were six. So it was 15. Yeah. That's a pretty good solid number. Yeah. There, 15 Star Wars questions, hour and 15 minutes. If I stopped it now, which I'm not going to. Well, this is why I last so long. It's because you ramble. Uh, yeah, it's time for the end ramble. So I'm just going to say, coming up in next week, I've got the next uh, Doctor Afro comics, and that is issues 20 to 25, I think I'm tackling. Uh, then the week after that, I think I'm doing the Age of Resistance. I think I'm doing the villains. So I'll be doing like Kylo Ren, Phasma, Hux, and Snoke. Um, so I'll be doing those. Then the week after that will be Star Wars again, the main run of Star Wars comics. Then the week after that will be the Kanan miniseries, the first part of that, because there's 12 comics for that, and I'll be doing part one of that. <laughs> then after that, it will be back to Dr. Aphra. You just said that so, so many, many times. times. I normally do. You said that a crazy amount of times. Yeah, I know. It's, it's trying to remember all the things. So <laughs> in brief, Afro next week, week after that is <laughs> Megan drinking water loudly. <laughs> in brief, next week is going to be Star Wars. The week after that is going to be Star Wars. Then, can you guess? It's going to be Star Wars. It will be. It will be. Afro. Age of Heroes, Star Wars, Kanan, Afra. Well, actually, I say Age of Heroes. It's Age oh my of god, this is why villains. your podcast is so long. It's because I can't be able to edit the end parts. Because trying to get all of the, the stuff I need to remember to tell people. Uh, also, you know, I was on 20th Century Geek recently and I did the Desert Island comics. So make sure you check that out. And also, me and Megan went on 20th Century Geek a few weeks ago. It got released the Batman retrospective. 
which me and Megan watched loads and loads of Batman films. Yes. And Megan loved it. Mm. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say loved. <laughs> Love is a strong word. Um, but then also make sure I've got a Patreon. Make sure I've got a Patreon. Make sure you have a Patreon. Yeah. Make sure we all have a Patreon. We can all have a Patreon and all donate the same amount of money to each yeah. other. And then no one will benefit except Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good. I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. The link is in the description. If you liked this sort of massive rambly style thing that me and Megan have done we release a podcast called Afterthoughts twice a week uh, under the Patreon they're normally about 10-15 minutes long-ish some of them go up to like 20-25 minutes <laughs> two get released a week normally one of them is like an MCU movie or a Star Wars movie and another one is either a documentary or a chick flick or a film that just isn't owned by Disney specifically that's what we try and do so release two of them a week at the moment so if you liked our pack and forth then you know you can pay as little as two pound a month or three dollars a month and you get access to the feed which has you know there's early access to things there's snippets i put on there um i the star wars book review i did got released a day early over there and my genuine chit chat episodes when i split them in two and etc you get all of them at once so it's just lots of little bits what of bargain pieces. everyone it's great go go now quickly grab your purses and wallets all get to your laptop type in patreon.com slash slash genuine chit chat and then you can listen to our afterthoughts twice a week and we, there's loads up there at the moment now I think we're on past episode 10 right so quick go everyone now quick, run run go run. quickly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's basically it for me do you want to give your Instagram handle so people can follow what we eat every day I mean now I have to because you've introduced yep. it I don't have a podcast everyone because uh, I'm boring so I, I do have an Instagram account though and if you are so inclined in following me on social media it is grits gets fit which is, Mike always tells me to spell it out. So G-R-I-T-T-S gets fit. And it's all about my health and weight loss journey. And you will see pictures of delicious food on there, everyone. I'm a fantastic cook. She is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's food and tortoises and... Food, tortoises and you... And me sweaty money. after exercise, yeah. Yeah, that's basically... <laughs> what a treat. It's a delight. <laughs> My favourite Instagram to follow. Uh, and you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. There's my other podcast, Genuine Chit Chat, which is on its own little feed. But wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening on YouTube, you're in the right place already because all of the comics and canon and Genuine Chit Chat episodes are all in the same place. If not, just if you're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast, wherever you're listening to Comics in Motion, you can listen to Genuine Chit Chat. So go and check that out. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate all of you for sending in your questions. It's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Megan will only talk to you if, what well, God, if you are on Patreon, really. That's the only, that's it. Yeah, if you want to, if, yeah, if you want to continue hearing my voice, as I've said, go get your wallets, go to Patreon, and then you can hear me on the reg. And Megan thinks she's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think I'm hilarious. <laughs> I know I'm hilarious. So you get to hear, hear Megan hearing herself be hilarious on Patreon as well. Yeah. Two pound a month, guys. I, all this free content oh, from okay. Comics in Motion, from me on Styles Comics in Canon, Genuine Chit Chat, all the guest spots <laughs> I do. All of these things, guys, are public service. So donate and you get even more. You what? get to listen to more of Mike's rambles. How much more do you want of my voice? Because you can get more. There's always more. And if I get even more Patreons, we'll do even more. If someone gives me £100, you can have him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next Patreon tier. It's £100 a month and you get me. You get a date with Mike. It's not a date. You just get me. I you just get, appear at your... You just get front. Mike. I just appear at your house and you have to like take care of me. <laughs> like a furby. Like a pet. Yeah. I just come with nothing but the clothes on my back. Nice. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Cool. 
What are you doing? <laughs> you have a hair on your face and I was getting it. You need to pull that off mid-recording. <laughs> Outrageous this is. Outrageous. Right, you're going to cut this bit out. No, I'm not. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned Tracksuit Man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate, and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses, with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned, because... Each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon, you'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content 